Well, it's been several months since I have been able to share the communion meditation. Rodney has been sharing uh, for the past several months on Jesus in uh, Genesis, and that was a great blessing. Uh, I would like to continue what I was sharing several months ago from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And today I'd like to, uh, over the next maybe several months, I'd like to cover uh, questions 36, 37, and 38. And if you haven't memorized those already, uh, I brought some extra books. I think most of the men in the congregation, congregation received one of these. Uh, but it, I think it would be good for all of you to have this. And uh, there are more outside on the, in the rack if you'd like that. This is the Shorty Catechism with uh, Scripture proofs. So please take those. I can always order more. So the question today, question 36. What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? Have you thought about that much? What are the benefits in this life of those great truths, those great works of God? And before I share the answer, I'd like to say, when I first asked this my, myself this question, what are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? My first thought was, more benefits than being justified more benefits than being accepted as righteous in the sight of Christ. You know, more benefits. I just really couldn't, couldn't imagine it, really. And I'd like to review, just for a second, justification, adoption, and sanctification. First of all, justification is an act of God's free grace, as is uh, adoption. It's an act of God's free grace in pardoning our sins. So, is that a great blessing? Our sins are pardoned. We are free. Praise God. And uh, again, we are accepted as righteous in his sight because of Christ's righteousness imputed to us. He took our sin, he imputed his righteousness to us, and it's received by faith alone. What a blessing. It's not by works. Praise God. And then adoption. It's also an act of God's free grace. So we are received into the family of God. We are members of the family of God, brothers and sisters. And we have all the rights and the privileges of the sons of God. Amen. And sanctification. Now, this is a work of God's free grace. And uh, we uh, are renewed in the image of God. And we are enabled more and more to hate our sin, to uh, turn away from it, and to live in righteousness, to live to righteousness. So praise God. So, you know, as I thought of these benefits flowing from uh, the, the great blessings uh, that we have, uh, it caused me just to uh, bow in awe, frankly. We have more benefits than these. So the answer to the question, what are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? The answer is, the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification are, there are five things in the list. Assurance of God's love, which I will just touch upon today. Peace of conscience. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Increase of grace. And perseverance to the end. So today, <coughs> assurance of God's love. I was thinking about this in terms of my family, first of all, it came to mind. And uh, I started thinking how important it is in my family for them to be assured of my love for them, my love for my wife and my children. And it is, it's also very important in this family, this, this family of families, to be assured of our love for each other. But how is assurance built up? I mean, how do we assure each other that we love each other? Well, in my family, there's a couple ways. Maybe it's the same in yours. First of all, there I have terms of endearment, I guess you'd call them. And uh, for each of my kids and, and for my wife, I have, you know, things that I call them that I would never uh, tell you all. Uh, 
because uh, there would be mass mutiny, for one thing, uh, by my family. Uh, you know, so you don't know them, and you'll never hear them, I think. Uh, but uh, I say them all the time. I always have, I always will. And you know, some families do more of that than others. But, so they're terms of endearment. And uh, then, uh, of course, I often hug my kids and my wife. In fact, probably twice a day, at least. And uh, except for Josh, he, he lives in Lincoln. And also, I really can't get my arms around him anymore. So it's hard to hug him. But I hug him when I can. And uh, so I think it's important for us to do that. And I've noticed over the years in this congregation that it's more and more common for the men, even, to hug each other and to tell each other we love each other. And praise God, we shouldn't be afraid or ashamed to ever say that. But um, I tell my wife and my children often, uh, several times daily, that I love them. And I think this verbal uh, declaration is important. I mean, we, we can, we c- you know, they can make the assumption. They can, you know, the terms of endearment, I hug them, I work for them, they know I love them. Uh, but the verbal declaration is important. It's important for my kids to hear me tell my wife that I love her. And uh, that verbal assurance to her is, in, in essence, an assurance to them that I love them too. I love their mother. I love them. It goes together. And there are several situations also that uh, maybe are uniquely duff. And uh, I say this at some risk because you'll probably think I'm a little strange. But uh, sometimes at the dinner table or, or maybe when we're driving, and I've been doing this for I don't know how many years now, uh, sometimes we'll be eating and there'll be a little lull in the conversation. And believe me, that's fairly rare. Uh, <laughs> so when I get the chance, uh, I usually take it. But um, sometimes it'll come around and... I'll just change the subject, and I'll just say, I love your mother. That's, I say it to my kids. Or I love my family. I just blurt it out. And they all kind of smile now. They don't think much about that anymore. Uh, and I'll always do it, whether they think I'm strange or not. Uh, the other situation is when we're driving. You know how you're driving for a few hours maybe, and they're all in the back listening to music or reading or whatever. And I think, okay, it's been way too long that our family's been connected here. And I'll just yell it out. I say, I love your mother very much. And they all look up, and uh, they all kind of smile and go back to reading, usually. <laughs> but I, I do think it's important. Uh, you know, certainly, you don't need to do it that way. That's the way I want to do it. Uh, but, and I know some of us men are more demonstrative than others uh, in how we declare our love. But I believe it's very important. This verbal assurance is important because I believe it's a pattern of our Heavenly Father. All through Scripture, He declares His love for His sheep. And uh, just the, just the, uh, his declaration is continual. In fact, the covenant of grace from Genesis to Revelation is a declaration of his love for us. And I'd like to close just by sharing a few verses uh, so that you will be reminded uh, that he loves you. In Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, it says, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. So, basically it says, he chose us in love. Those words go together. And in John 17, verse 23, uh, Phil shared, you you remember, several weeks ago, uh, about the perks of being a witness. And uh, he shared that the Father loves us with the intensity of the love with which he loves his son. Do you remember that statement? When he said that, it really took me aback for a second. And that the Son loves us with the intensity with which he loves the Father. That's how much he loves us. 
Can we ever doubt how much he loves us? We should never doubt it. John 15, 13. Greater love has no, man, no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And he did so. Romans 8, 39. You all know that passage. There are a list of things, great things that uh, cannot separate the love of God from us. And it ends by saying, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all creation. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And then finally, well, not finally, I'm sorry, one, uh, two more verses. Jeremiah 31, 3, one of my favorite verses. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And then finally, Deuteronomy 7. This is said to the people of Israel, of course, but uh, to all of God's chosen, to his elect. He said in uh, verses 6 and 7, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all people on the face of the earth. You are a special treasure above all the people on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any other, for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you, that's the end. That's the statement at the end of it. Simply because the Lord loves you. The statement that we take by faith. We need to act upon. So as we come to this table, this celebration, it's one of the ways that the Lord declares his love to us continually and which gives us assurance. In, in the case of our church, it's a weekly assurance of his everlasting and sacrificial love. So the Lord instituted this meal for us to remember him and his unwavering love until he comes. God loves us because it's his will to love us, because it's his desire to do so. And we may often wonder, why does God love me so much? You know, but I wonder, another question that maybe we should ask is, well, how could I ever doubt his love for me? He has declared so many times in the word, he has demonstrated, obviously, his great love for us. How can we ever doubt it? And this is one of the reasons, uh, just to close, that I was thinking about the uh, providential history. When we think of uh, God's providence in history, it's so important because it assures us of his love for his people. His working out of his will in history is for the, his glory, certainly, and for the sake of his elect, for his church. So, let's rejoice in his love as we come to the table this morning and thank him because of his free grace, because we've been justified, we are adopted, we are being changed into his likeness. And from those glorious works of God, we can be assured of his love. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly